Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast. I am your host, Eric Larson, fresh off of a very fun Memorial Day weekend. Hope all of the listeners enjoyed theirs as well. I spent some time with my dad's side of the family, but our guest for today's episode is actually my cousin, Adam Ferrara, from my mom's side of the family. Adam and I have grown up together, many trips to Jersey, many Italian meals, Christmases together, other trips, Hawaii, Italy, it's been a ton of fun. And Adam is also, it's been fun to watch him kind of enter into his career and talk about work and things like that. So I wanted to get a better better picture of what he is doing as it's slightly related to what I'm doing, but also I think that a lot of the personal decisions he's made and how they've affected his professional life has been really interesting. And I think um, been been good for him, been things that he has wanted to accomplish and kind of got it done. So enjoy the episode. Stay tuned to the end for a quick recap, a couple uh, key nuggets, and we'll talk to you soon. Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast. I'm your host, Eric Larson, joined today by Adam Ferrara. Not only uh, a cousin of mine, I would consider us friends. What do you think? I think I think I do the same. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. We're welcoming Adam from Austin, Texas, despite growing up in Jersey, and it's a recent move. So, Adam, how do you like Austin so far? I love it. I mean, I had heard there was a lot of fun things going on here. I visited last year and kind of fell in love with the city as soon as I got here. Uh, it was just. I was living in, after college, I moved back home and I was living in just a small town that really didn't have too much going on. And I was kind of itching to find a place that had a lot of things I was interested in, music, mm-hmm. um, college, college sports. Eat. Good food. Yeah, good eats. Exactly. Um, Austin checked all those boxes and I came here and was like, it's a wrap. I'm going to move down oh, here. Yeah. And so far, I, I absolutely love it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For those listening, Adam has a big smile on his face. We just caught up for a little. I'm very happy and excited for him being in a new town. Uh, But given that, the podcast goes a little bit deeper into the past before catching up to Adam's future. We're going to start from uh, a couple of years ago. Well, you know, we'll give a little more background just on our relationship, too, because Mm -hmm. uh, I'm one of 18 cousins. Julie Verney was on here before. Mm -hmm. Adam is up next. Uh, and more to come. The invite is extended to all Vernie cousins. How would you characterize, how would you describe the Vernie family cousins, Adam? Oof, the Vernie family cousins. Uh, I would say the Vernie family cousins is like, they're like beautiful chaos. Like there is. I like that. They're such a, a great group of people. And, I, you know, we've grown up with them and done so much with our family, we're very close with all of them and we've spent many times together, but it is so many people that, and especially with a family that is mostly Italian, um, it can get loud and it can get um, theatrical. So when we're together, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun and it's a, it's very, like I said, it's very loud and um, it's something that we're all very, very uh, grateful for. Um, so, okay. so yeah, that's how I, all of the Vernies in a nutshell. So that's well said. And yeah, we, we say the, the Vernies are very good at hyping each other up, but I think that Adam is the best at hyping other people up. So I'm excited to hype him up on this podcast because yeah. you've had some cool things happen recently that we'll get into. But first, um, Adam, you grew up in Jersey. 
went to high school in Jersey, um, went to college, not quite in Jersey. So just when you were a senior in high school, were you thinking about college? Was it, you know, a must? Was it a maybe? And uh, what'd you end up doing? Yeah. So I, I did go to school in Jersey. It was in South Jersey, which might as oh. well have been a, another state. Um, it's, it was very different in that area. Um, but yeah, yeah. Senior year, I always had college in my back pocket um, or maybe in the back of my head, but I was not, wasn't like the best, best student. Like I was always active and in, in doing a lot of different things, clubs, mm-hmm. sports, and um Towards the second half of high school is when I started to really focus on grades a little more and get excited about college. Um, I was I had some ideas on what I wanted to do, but nothing too set in stone. Just I knew that like general business, finance, accounting was where I was aiming towards. So I applied to a few schools, and they were like these private schools that were really expensive. And I threw in um, two state schools as well, Rutgers, which I got. Um, denied from and then Rowan which I got accepted into um, I guess a select it was called a select start program and it's pretty much like you'll get acceptance here but you'll get nine credits prove it it. yeah you get nine credits and if you get less than a B yeah we might have to have a conversation and I was like I didn't care I was like I got in um, (laughs) and I got more and more excited about it as I kind of um, got closer but but yeah that was the decision and uh and rome was rome was a lot of fun i was i was happy about the decision um yeah, yeah. you may be uh our first fraternity member on the podcast i know that was uh, a <laughs> decision coming into <laughs> college but yeah. um yeah. yeah i guess your your college years were fun you ended up getting bees or better i'm hoping because you did four years there right yeah i did once i got to college it was a little bit of a mindset shift i was like when it came to grades like immediately I was like, okay, college is awesome. I want to make sure that I'm getting the most out of this. Um, and I really just started to grind a lot more than I ever did. And in Mm -hmm. studying, so, um, did, did really well. Um, my first, my first two years, this class has got harder. I think that's where grades kind of fluttered a little bit, but I was also getting, you know, um, trying to do more by getting good internships, um, attend clubs, do things that, um, were really unique to the college experience that I, that were fun. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I buckled down, but I also buckled down, not just academically, but, uh, on the end, on the partying side as well. Socially. Socially. (laughs) Bingo. Um, there wasn't too, too much going on at Rowan. Like the reason, um, like there wasn't like a big sports program, like it's the tailgates. Mm -hmm. There was like, you know, uh, one main bar. So really, you know, socially, when we wanted to go out on, on the weekends, we looked to like fraternity parties or sports house parties. And me and a handful of friends who I made through playing basketball, we just decided sophomore year to, to sign up for the fraternity. And it was fun. I mean, they were, they were, uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't like you're, I don't think some of these big, like down south, fraternities that are like very religious and they're practicing right. around the fraternity and all those things. But they were, it was, yeah, it was really just a big club. And I think it was an awesome way to meet people in that work and obviously um, have a good time. So uh, that, that was, that was cool. I'm still very, yeah. very close with all of them as well. Uh, they're all really good homies uh, up to this day. 
Yeah, uh, good to have a friend group. And yeah, I know I, we we considered that me and my friends, and we just knew enough people from going into college that we didn't go that route. But looked like a lot of fun. Uh, and mm. yeah, Rowan, smaller school, but you know, good business program, good way to kind of get your feet wet. And you ended up with a job out of school. Did you plan to stay kind of in Jersey and close to home or how'd you go about getting that first role? Yeah. So the, the first job actually was, I didn't have it guaranteed when I graduated. Like I did going up to the end of senior year, I was, I was pretty set on moving home for a little while because Mm -hmm. I wanted to, while I, just kind of figured out where I wanted to move next. I was like, let me, let me get some work experience under my belt and let me take advantage of the opportunity that not a lot of people have, which is to go home, save a little money, pay off debt. Um, because at the time I wasn't dead set on, um, the place I wanted to go, you know, move to, or the, um, like a company, I didn't have like a dead set, um, you know, job yet. So I was like, well, I figure it out. Let me move home. And I'm glad I did. I got a job very quickly after I moved home up in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, It was a, I I graduated with a finance degree, but it was in like logistics and analytics almost. So it was a lot of like Excel work, data reporting, um, you know, just a solid job to get me started. It was very, very dry. And I learned very quickly. I was like, I need a job that has some kind of customer or people engagement more than I was um, doing at that job because yeah. very quickly I was like looking kind of to get out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened after school. Uh, so yeah. So you mm-hmm. got that job. I kind of forgot about that one and that was not SHI. So you ended up switching pretty quick and finding the next role. Yeah. It was a sh- very short stint, uh, maybe like eight months. And then, yeah, it was like the eight month park. This company was getting bought out. People were getting fired. It was not a good environment on top of me already not loving the work. Um, so I knew my friend, I had a friend who was working at SHI and that they did um, tech sales. They were a reseller of a bunch of different technologies and it was an entry level job. And I was like, I always thought that I'd be decent at sales. I always had been interested in it. I've heard the Good talker. Smooth, yeah, smooth talker, uh, obviously, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'd heard that, like, oh, you know, sales, like, you have to really grind in the beginning, and it's kind of a pain. And I'm like, all right, whatever, we'll try it out, and we'll see how it goes. Um, so I jumped into SHI, and that's when that's when I really, the lights um, switch flipped for me as far as, like, my excitement about going into a job, um, mm-hmm. because... You know, being able to control the income was really cool. SHI was one of the, I think, one of the best places um, to start um, start a career after school because because it's a big company. There's a lot of opportunities to move laterally. If you didn't like sales, it was also a lot of young people. It honestly felt like an extension of college, which yeah. was sometimes good and sometimes bad, kind of <laughs> distracting, um, but also but also good. Um, I had always been very interested in tech. And while it wasn't my background, I still was like taking on this role, just thinking like, maybe this could be something I'm interested in because I realized in the time with the last company that logistics, analytics, 
and a little bit of finance as well. I was like, I don't love this. That's so, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was there for four years at SHI and uh, loved it. I really did. I was like very, very friendly with my team. You know, you stay on for the manager. Uh, my manager was excellent and mm-hmm. everyone was very encouraging. So, you know, it lasted in four years. You know, it lasted four, four years. Um, so I was, I was yeah. happy about that move. Yeah, and you said kind of like control your income, but I guess you were just excited to be in a sales position and kind of have some, I mean, you kind of built up over those four years. I know you had some accounts and some relationships and some people you talked to, and maybe you jumped sectors once or twice, but just a little bit on what you did like about it and what changed over those years. Yeah, so like the control and the income was one thing, obviously, but just from the point of like, my day to day, like my job was to help customers talk with them through their problems, engage them. And that is just something I do normally with, with people. So like, it was also realizing like, Oh, this is something that comes a little easier to me. I mean, it's more enjoyable. So understanding that with the job was part of, you know, me settling in there and being comfortable. Um, Yeah. So you were selling to small government, right? Was it that for all four years or was there yeah. another pivot? No, it was only, it was entirely public sector, um, which was government, any publicly funded organization. Uh, I most mainly, mainly worked with governments and school districts. We resold any technology that could fall in a school or a government's environment. So mm-hmm. if they were using for a school, for example, if they were using a Chromebook, one of the students was using those. Uh, we'd supply those things, you know, um, connecting to the local Wi-Fi routers, Cisco, Meraki, these other things. We provide those as well. Our job was to keep the relationship high with them and not necessarily um, be a specialist on anything. We would just mm-hmm. manage the process of those projects that they were working on. So if they did a large Chromebook rollout, we'd get in touch with the HP, Dell and uh, Lenovo's of the world give them the different quoting options and kind of help them on those decisions. And then it, you know, pretty much extended out to everything else. If they were upgrading their servers, if they were needing um, disaster recovery, if they needed different IT services, we helped with pretty much everything. So our pitch to them was just like, Hey, what do you have going on right now? We'd love to come in and um, be another option for you guys. And then as you get better at the job, as you, you know, are able to turn around projects quicker and, just make things more clear. That's where you build those relationships. Uh, and on the public sector side, uh, they have long life cycles. They're like, they have to go through a lot of checks and balances to get things done. Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely built up some patience uh, with the sales cycle. I don't have to tell yeah. you, I know that you have long, long life cycles sometimes. Um, yeah. So what were yours? A couple yeah. months, a couple of years? Depended on the size of the project um, to minimum three months, but like larger data, like if someone was replacing their whole data center, that, those projects could be a year long. Um, I believe that. In just like their review of, you know, getting budget approved, spending time reviewing, moving those things up the board, and implementation is, was its own conundrum. But uh, but yeah, yeah. that was that was like the cycle. That's what was what working with public sector was like for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could tell, you know, you're, you're a fit for that kind of role and you get a little excited talking about it. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of the same way, right? Like sales, you want to talk to people, you want to work with people, you don't just want to be chained to a desk. Uh, and you end up kind of enjoying what you're selling too, if you believe in the product and all of that. So something like technology, I feel like people our age are generally okay with learning about servers and laptops and IT stuff because it just kind of comes naturally. It's grew up with it. Um, yeah. But given all of that, you uh, liked it for a while. You said it was a big company. I know maybe you were looking at moving laterally, but liked your job and then wanted to move. But what uh, what kind of prompted you to make a switch after that? Yeah, so I was, I was there for, I hit my three and a half year mark. And I wasn't really, I had been moving up in my levels there of like a senior AAE and this new position I'd started was called named and it was where I was working with the team a little bit more, which I did like. Um, but I hit a point there where I was like feeling like a, I was becoming like a generalist and I didn't love that. It was more difficult for me to, to sell, um, in that regard, I, I wanted to be more specialized. So I was looking at which, which area of it was most interesting to me. Also, which ones I think that I thought would be, you know, a really good, um, that would have a really good job market going forward to give me more work, um, in the future, uh, cybersecurity like specific products or specific services. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So everything tied in with, with products, services and like within the industry that of security. So security was the one I picked because I just saw there was a huge need for it. And, you know, when I got on the calls, it was just very interesting. You know, there's so much that goes on with cybersecurity and it's um, th th there's a lot of companies that are just lacking in what they're doing around security. So um, that was the opportunity I saw. And I started to pay extra attention to the cybersecurity projects that I had going on. Um, doing, trying to do some learning on my own through just free sources, YouTube and like, um, yeah. these other areas. Um, and I saw CrowdStrike was one of the companies that was doing really, really well in this space. And I applied and didn't hear for a while. And I could talk about the company that was in between before I get into them, but, uh, you know, that's where I'm at now. And that's what kind of led me to eventually start making some moves. Okay. So, yeah. So before we get there, so it sounds like. You wanted, you had this interest in cybersecurity or whatever else, and yeah. you maybe would have wanted to pivot in that direction and be more of a, like a sales resource or instead of doing, going that direction, your company was moving you just up the ladder to like, why, why did they want you in that generalist role if you didn't want to be there? Yeah, the, they were just moving me along because I was still hitting my numbers. Um, I was still, um, bringing in, like I was still getting good feedback from customers and keeping the relationships high. I was very knowledgeable on the public sector business, especially government, because there weren't a lot of government reps um, okay. on my team. I was one of the main ones and they, you know, they saw that as an opportunity for them to expand the government business. And they were giving me some accounts that were coming from the field and you know, those were the opportunities around that. So you got more products and services on your plate, but they kept you in that vertical. So that was kind of the disconnect. You cared more about what services you were selling than the vertical you were selling. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I wasn't thrilled with the vertical I was selling. And I really was just like, I want to be the person that's going to be probing and 
helping gotcha. be prescriptive on like whatever solution they're looking at rather than just being someone that holds their hand while they're shopping. Um, okay. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was mainly it. And cybersecurity was one of the things that piqued my interest. And I was like, you know, let's, uh, let's see where this, see where this goes. Um, kind of fall down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, that's certainly top of, was in the news a whole bunch. Uh, I know our Oof. company kind of plays in that too. So I keep a tab on it and it's, yeah, a little bit scary and certainly a good business opportunity, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but what really prompted your switch was um, wanting to move, right? So we kind of talked when you were going through the transition, but you actually posed to the company you were with and working remote and were trying to move, but they didn't. What did kind of the last couple of months and including that stop in between, what did that all look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I had mentioned to you and I think a few other people that I was interested in moving, moving somewhere else and experiencing another culture, another area for a little while, because I saw, I just understood, I think that like, while I was at this age and I didn't have any big ties, that this would be a good time to do something like this. So that was in the back of my mind. Also wanting to, you know, specialize, like all these things were, I was considering and I was like, okay, let me start thinking about where I'd want to go, where there'd be some good opportunities. Um, and I looked at Austin and I had heard many great things about the city as a whole, but also just that it was a growing tech hub with a lot of different, just tons of companies. So um, I was started to get antsy and I was like, okay, I want to, I want to see if I can make the move even before I go into a more specialized role. So I went to my bosses and I only brought this to them because they had a, a second location down here in Austin, in downtown Austin. So I, it would have been the first rep to do this kind of maneuver. Uh, but I was like, there's a first time for everything. And the answer is always no, unless you ask. So mm -hmm. uh, I brought it to them and I think I made a pretty good case. Um, I kind of just told them, I positioned it like, you know, uh, I know this is the first time someone's kind of bringing this up, but, you know, I listed the reasons I thought I was valuable to the company. And then I said, you know, we can use this as almost like a, a pilot program for you guys, because if we do something like this for a year, we can, we can set a date from a year from now and evaluate if it hindered performance, if it made things better, if it sure. makes sense to package this as something that they can then turn around and say to reps and say like, hey, if you hit these numbers, if you're here this long, you can have the opportunity to work in another location or be remote. So that was kind of the sales pitch to my managers. And right. I didn't get an immediate no. Um, so, and I yeah. actually had the, them start to talk about it ultimately. They were going through a ton of changes. There was a huge shift going on with um, just the structure of how our accounts were set up and how the verticals were okay. set up. So the and time of COVID remote stuff as well, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. So they were talking about getting people back in the office too. And like, I, I was told that like, if I had maybe asked at another time, it would have been better. But I was at this point, I was like, I kind of don't want to really wait anymore. Um, and I had already thrown some, some lines out there and I was starting to get some interest. Um, so, so yeah. I, and right around that point I had started to come to the end of an interview process with another reseller that would have allowed me to go remote and, okay. um, that had really good reviews and had, um, 
yeah, it, it just was uh, of interest to me. So I made the decision and decided to jump over to them to a company called Microwage and um, and yeah, so that was that's same what, type of company, same type of role, yeah. just allowed you to move and maybe gave you a little raise, and you figured that was worth it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was all of those things, and nice. I had hit, you know, I had a point with like my accounts where I felt like I was maybe I kind of juiced them as much as I could, and I was looking for something <laughs> sure. that was. Um, but yeah, it had all those things, you know. So I made that made the decision in the beginning of January, and. Soon after that, I started working for them and I started to look towards moving. And then, you know, many things followed after that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you kind of put some resumes out there, updated yours, had some conversations, wanted to move. I think that's probably uh, true of a lot of our listeners, whether pre or post COVID, just, you know, work isn't in one place anymore, which is pretty liberating for everyone. Um, at the same time, you know, it's kind of nice to have an office sometimes. So it goes both ways. Uh, but one conversation we had around that time was SHI was a big company and you were moving to a smaller one and kind of gauging um, the pros and cons between the two. So what conclusion did you come to there to make the switch? Yeah, I had asked you, you know, saying like, because you had made a similar move. So I wanted to ask your feedback on really what moving from a big, secure company to a smaller, lesser known, but maybe, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just a smaller company and really what was going into that. Um, and I kind of just weighed the pros and cons. I was just like, you know, uh, the smaller company is a little less certainty, but it allows me the freedom of what I really was really trying to do. Um, you know, it was at that point too, it was almost like going a little bit past just money. I was not really just looking at how much money I was going to make that year. Like I was going to pull in generally close to what I was going right. to add SHI, but what it was going to allow me to do at this new smaller company was going to allow me to travel and be flexible. And that was really valuable to me. Like, mm -hmm. so it's tough to put a dollar amount on it because sure. yeah, you know, that was at the time something that I was really itching to do. And, um, that was part of the pros with them and at SHI, you know, it just kind of really still felt like I was getting a little burned out, but I was considering that, um, there was the structure there, but ultimately after kind of just back and forth pros and cons lists, rewriting them and kind of seeing myself like, uh, envisioning myself really making this move. It just felt like a good fit. It felt like a time to make a change. Uh, so that's ultimately what got me to to pulling the trigger on it. So, yeah, yeah, and I know a couple a couple of things we had talked about because yeah, my background I was with Schneider, which is global, enormous, and now my company has like forty people. So that was a big switch. And like you know, part of the structure and part of the good thing about a big company is you're exposed to a lot. You could kind of work up into some other positions, like you did, uh, and I bounced around too a little bit, which was good. Um, but then the bad side is you kind of get locked into that or you can, depending on the company. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like yeah definitely. SHI didn't really want to move you around because you had proved your value in one place. Uh, Schneider was actually pretty good about that, but you had to prove yourself first, which could take a number of years and there's other life stuff going on. The other piece that is very important and you kind of echoed, but like your boss, like day in, day out, 
whether you're flexible or not, where you live, like lots of other stuff kind of is contingent on if your boss lets you do something. Right. So if you have a good boss, then everything is better. So it's hard to know that when you're interviewing, right? So how tough was it to leave like the one boss and kind of find a new one? Or did you feel pretty comfortable about that? Was that a big factor for, for your switch? It was, uh, it's a good call. Like that's, a. you stay, especially in a sales role, like where, um, you are constantly dealing with, it's an emotional role. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs and, you know, there's your manager is someone you're really close with because it's someone you're relying on for the experience and handling some of these potentially large income shift deals, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so and then also the day to day, you want it's someone you want to just be friendly with. And this was it was a tough decision to leave the management um, group because you stay. I don't know if this is this is not an exact quote, but like you stay because of management. That's I'll just leave it at that. Like I think you stay because of a good manager, and mm-hmm. um, that's definitely the reason I did because they allowed me the flexibility. They were you know similar to me. We were friendly, but they also did you know they know they knew how to push me and get the most out of my productivity more than, you know, what I was able to do for myself. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was a tough decision. And, um, I tried to just leave it as best as I could, but I told him I was straight up with him. I was like, look, man, like this is, there's more to this decision than just, um, than just money. Um, I think that there is, um, an awesome opportunity. I appreciate all the opportunities you guys did give me, but, um, you know, uh, this is a decision I feel like I have to make and, um, they were, they were happy about it. Um, cool. you know, happy about it. <laughs> I put air quotes around that. Like yeah. they, they were, they gave They're me supportive. my, yeah, exactly. They were supportive. So, um, so yeah. yeah so all of that business. back and forth. Yes. And then you ended up switching making another move perhaps. Switching. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so you were putting out feelers. You got an offer, you went through with this one company, but you had a feeler out for another company, right? Uh, yeah, just talk through that. Uh, that You made the move to Austin and then things fell into place. How did that go? Yeah, so I had started this this company and I had really, this new free seller, and then I quickly started to look into moving. So that's when I started doing the research around Austin and- okay. um, because you could just live anywhere for this new company. Yeah, this was a fully remote gig. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So they were based in Tempe, Arizona. And um, I had done my due diligence with them. Like they were a really solid company. And I, I really liked the time when I was there. But two weeks into the role, I got a call back from this company, CrowdStrike, which I had wanted to work at for, work at for a very long time. And... Um, I did not expect them to hit me back. So they did. And I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, let's see this through. And I went through the interview process with them and fast forward to the end where I got the offer and I kind of just sat there. This is now a month and a half being into the role. And I'm like, did it again. We're to repeat pros and cons. And I tried to, I, you know, was like many people I Googled, like, is it okay to leave jobs after a month and a half? Right, right. What's the pros and cons? Like when in doubt, just Google your exact question. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But with 
anything. Someone's and asked it. It's someone's career. And there's, you know, tons of articles and I got some good, good information there. And like at the bottom line, and this is something I mentioned to Jamie too, because she was kind of in a similar situation. She was. At the end of the day, you are trying to make the best business decision when it comes to a career. Um, and it, it, that's really what it is. It's just, these are business decisions. It's not personal. Like, I don't know, like CrowdStrike felt like a better business decision for me. So that's why I decided to yeah. make that change. Um, there was more into it. Like there was like the fact that they had a headquarters here in Austin. Um, it just seemed like a better fit, but I guess all that could still be put under the umbrella of a better business decision. It was more money. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it was a month and a half in and I made, made that decision. I was like very apprehensive about it. Cause I was like, I don't want this to be something that's a habit. I know I don't yeah. like to, I don't want to jump around. The interview process is not fun. So it's not one to be doing all the time, but I really, really felt like a good opportunity just in my gut. So um, I told, I accepted the job. And later on that afternoon, I called my managers and said like, Hey, I know this is kind of a weird situation, but I had this unique opportunity and I'm, I'm going to take it. So, um, so yeah. And then we, it was so early on. I think it's a little easier with the sales job where mm. the training was very little in the beginning. They did excellent training. I don't want to take anything from that training. Okay. But, um, you haven't built up an account list yet. You don't have right. like these deep relationships you need to pass off. Um, so there wasn't too much to transition over. It's not like I had an official two weeks that I had to put in. It was pretty much like, okay, well. Oh, wow. Yeah. You, ya. Yeah. It was just like very quick. It was like, you know, you haven't really ramped up yet. So you're pretty much good to go here. If you could just give us feedback on like what we could have done better, like what was your sure. experience, you know, if you would recommend us. And it was that, that was a tough decision too, because they didn't really do anything wrong. This was just a slightly better opportunity for me. And right. um, one, I really felt like moving on. So I gave them excellent feedback. I told them like, I would, I would recommend anyone um, to that company if this is the route they want to take. And I actually, actually eventually did. Um, I think my buddy's still going through the referral process, but nice. you know, they were cool about it. I had people reach out to me after and say like, it, it was very daunting. And I was like, Oh, they're going to just like, they're going to hate me. Like, this is going to be so bad. You know, like this is going to look bad. Like all this, all this, frankly, all this bullshit because a week after that, I got messages from the people over there saying like, sorry, it didn't work out. Things are all good you know, oh, cool. keep us posted. And that was comforting. Um, and everyone just went on as business as usual. It was just a business decision to move to CrowdStrike. And I'm, I'm glad I did. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned that going through the interview process, like, isn't the most fun, like it's stressful, like yeah. not liking your job sucks. Not sure if you're going to get the job that you do like is kind of difficult. But then on top of it, when you're applying for stuff, especially at the rate that people get back to you, it's like, how do you not apply to 10 different companies a day or however many? And then inevitably someone gets back to you quicker. Someone takes a little longer. So, yeah. you know, I heard of you, you kind of went through this, Jamie, my sister, our cousin, your cousin just went through this. And I honestly, I feel like it must happen all the time because just the, the time frame and you putting out feelers has to come back like that. So anyway, um, for any listeners who are considering something like this, feel free to talk to Adam or uh, a future guest as well. 
But if there's like one takeaway, you you kind of summed it up pretty nicely there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. don't overthink it, like make the decision that's best for you. But um, anything else to kind of take away from that situation and what you'd change about it or feeling pretty good? No, I think uh, I think the situation was handled as well as it could have been. Frankly, uh, I wasn't sure going into it. I just I tried to just get a lot of testimonies from people online. And for anyone that was feeling anyone that feels like this decision will be really difficult and it'll affect them negatively. Just know it's been done a ton of times already. And Mm -hmm. as long as you don't make a habit of it, and this was very, this was a point that was in all of the research that I did, all of the YouTube video feedbacks that said they'd been through something similar. It's just something you don't want to make it a habit of. And um, at the end of the day, you just have to do what's best for you because frankly, companies will do the same. And if uh, there was a situation where they had to let you go, they're going to make the best business decision for them and they're going to do that. So you have to consider that when you're doing this, when you're making this kind of move, you just want to get to a point where you're comfortable. So, you know, seek feedback, talk to someone that's done something like this. Obviously you can hit me up. Um, But, you know, there's people out there that did it. So don't, don't sweat it too much. It's, it's, it's not as bad as you might think. Yeah, I like that. Cool. Well, that brings us to your current job, CrowdStrike, similar kind of IT sales role, anything. uh, Well, it's in Austin. You said you went to the headquarters for the first time. So far, so good. Anything notable there so far? Yeah. uh, And I I think it'd be funny to tell uh, the story of how that interview process ended too, like um, to backtrack a little bit. Like my, my last interview was this, you know, sales presentation on their products and services. And it was for CrowdStrike for CrowdStrike. Yeah. Without, okay, okay. without the training, it was really that their goal was to evaluate how well I could be thrown into a, um, a call with a customer and handle objections and present material. Sure. Um, you know, that was the goal, but I took the interview in an empty apartment and the echo was loud as hell in here that, you could actually hear it through the mic feedback. Um, it was pretty nuts. And it was something I told them up front too. I was like, I was just like, I'm in a completely empty apartment. They all kind of thought it was funny, but um, yeah. that all moved very quickly. Um, but CrowdStrike, yeah. So right. with Austin, you know, they're located in Austin and they were, um, they're a growing company. They, they focus, like we focus on endpoint security. So protection of any kind of device that, an organization has a anything physical or virtual, really desktops, Laptops, laptops servers up in the cloud or on-prem. That's the, primarily what they cover. Um, so, so yeah, they were one of the top in the space too. That's kind of what piqued my interest as well. Looking at the Gart- leader, yeah, yeah, looking at the Gartners of the world. If anyone's okay. familiar with Gartner, um, so so yeah, you know they they ramp up quick and. Um, you know, that's, um, they're, they're, they're very solid so far. I'm about six weeks into working with okay. them. So, yeah. Nice. Well, pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, quite, quite the journey. Uh, and it sounds like you're settling in now and crush your numbers this year and get settled in Austin, crush the social life as well. Uh, anything you want to share before we head out with, uh, with our millions of listeners? 
Yeah. Uh, shout out, shout out Teresa Ferrara. Mom, <laughs> my mother's J just came up. Shout out to her. Um, <laughs> now, um, she's definitely listening. Yes, I know. I know she's going to listen, right? She's going to listen on her way to work tomorrow. Um, <laughs> now, um, yeah, you know, I think maybe takeaways from this too, like for, for anyone that's looking to make kind of career changes or life changes, they're daunting decisions. And I think when you're overthinking, overthinking can be easy in those situations. So mm-hmm. I know that, um, when, when, when I do these things, I just try and make a lot of lists. I try and write a lot of things down, write out what potential consequences would happen. And then I spend time reading them. And a lot of times it makes me feel a lot better about those things. So um, I think that's a good, good habit for anyone that's making any kind of decision, whether it's to move far away, to jump from a safe company to a, a company that's maybe a little more risky or a safe job to a, a job that's a little more risky um and to really go online and search advice talk to people that have been through similar things because at the very least if you don't get you know some really good feedback you'll feel more comfortable about making decisions like that uh so that's a, think, a good thing that not uh so that's my that's my feedback i have no plugs i don't have nothing to plug right now but <laughs> <laughs> if i do uh I'll let you know, I guess. We'll we'll add it to the to the context of the episode. Yeah, add it to the bio. No, I, yeah, there we go. No, I th- I think that's a good thing to end on, right? Like you felt more comfortable because you heard of other people doing things like that. Hopefully, Adam's story allows our listeners to be a little bit more comfortable too. Cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Adam. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Glad you're all settled in. Uh, shout out to my mom as well. We're a day after Mother's Day, so that's appropriate, right? Right. Right. Of course. Shout out to all the moms, man. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, to the listeners that don't know, I'm sure you're well, well caught up on Eric's background, but he's been someone to just crush every city he's gone to role he's gone to. So, uh, I definitely, uh, saw that as, as I liked it. I was, I was excited by kind of your own, um, travels experiences and whatnot. So that kind of got me, got me to this point and I'm, I'm planning on doing the same in Austin. If anyone's in Austin, hit me up. Let's get a drink. There we go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, uh, let's hit rainy street. Let's go get some barbecue, some brisket. <laughs> yes. All that good stuff. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, Adam's come and visited me at my multiple stops. So cool. All right, Adam. Very cool. So I'm going to go get barbecue with them and uh, we'll check in and uh, another time maybe. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Appreciate you having me on, Eric. Thank you, my man. Thanks to the listeners. Thank you to Adam. We'll see you next time. Peace. All right. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. So as a quick recap, some of my key takeaways were one that Adam was never really set on college. You know, it was kind of an idea, but it wasn't a must. Uh, It was something that he had to kind of own and do and apply and pick a school and pick a major. And I think some of us, I was speaking from personal experience, it was kind of uh, understood that I would go to college. So to have someone pick college, pick a major, get a get a job after and then kind of figure out what he wanted to do afterward is is pretty encouraging for for me, for our listeners, for for the rest of the audience, because 
it does show that you can find some success at work. You can even enjoy it a little bit and still be eyeing that next move and figuring out what you're interested in. So for Adam, you know, figuring out cybersecurity was an interest and something that was marketable and something that was needed and something a lot of customers were lacking, I think is huge. And, you know, self-learning from YouTube, like that's awesome. And he pivoted that into a job with CrowdStrike, who I have actually heard of numerous times now that he's mentioned the name. Uh, and there's certainly a, a very reputable company in the space. So kudos to him for kind of seizing that, seizing a move, doing it big and, uh, you know, allowing his career and the choices that he wanted to make personally to not only negatively influence his career, but positively. Austin's a tech hub. I think that kind of factors into thing. But I think it just goes to show you that personal professional lives are intertwined. It's not like you're going to decide in a vacuum what's best for you. You're not considering your mental health or where you want to be or your wife and kids, whatever it is. And Adam's a pretty good display of that. So Love to have him back to talk through a couple other things. So feel free to follow Adam on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. <laughs> like he said, nothing to promote or plug, but we're, uh, we're happy that he came on the show. Thanks, Adam. Until next episode.